Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast. Um, And today I have the huge honor and privilege of spending some time with Ken J. Costa, who is someone that I have looked up to an immense amount in my own journey, in my own uh, life of just walking in a sort of dual Christian ministry role in church ministry, as well as in a a business role, you know, and working both locally and globally. And Ken is someone that I've I've looked at from afar and, and, and read some of his books and seen his content. So to spend a bit of time with him today is a huge privilege. Um, Before we get into the questions, and I welcome Ken, I'm going to read a very, an abridged version of his bio because it's, it's quite an incredible um, bio when you when you read the full version. But just to kind of for those that don't know, Ken is an internationally renowned banker having worked as chairman of UBS Investment Bank for EMEA and chairman of Lazard International. He is a chairman emeritus of Alpha International, emeritus professor of commerce in Gresham College London and dean of the Leadership College London. He and his wife, Dr. Fiona Costa, are London-based and they have two sons and two daughters. Ken is the founder of God at Work and author of three brilliant books, And Ken has made two film series, The God at Work Conversations and Strange Kingdom, Meditations on the Cross. Ken is a global speaker and Christian strategist and widely respected across the globe for just his incredible insight into leadership across both spheres. So I'm hugely excited to have you, Ken, and welcome. Well, thank you, Dan. It's a great privilege to to be with you um, and to listen to you reading out that... um, that list of stuff makes me feel good. <laughs> makes me feel tired. <laughs> like <laughs> I think to myself, you got you must have an incredible energy and vibrancy about you, which is which is brilliant. Uh, so, having said all of that, what, tell us a little bit about your life and what what your leadership life looks like. Say, I know things have changed a lot, but say in the last twelve to eighteen months. Wow, twelve to eighteen months. I mean, what a year! I mean, yeah. Do you know, literally, it's now a year ago since you know, someone ate a bat in Wuhan or, or the virus escaped out of a laboratory, who knows, in Wuhan. And that tiny little thing has uh, just turned the world upside down. And the thing that I've really been meditating on, I mean, I, I've thought that this last year, I did a short uh, New Year's message on Insta, which was that this last year, has been a year for me of gracious humbling. I, I think it's gracious because I think God has been very good, uh, but it's been humbling just whether, you know, it's, it's we, we've just realized that there are certain things that were totally beyond our control. Right. We kind of thought beforehand we could run the world as we like, but every day and just in the financial world, it's, uh, it's, it's impossible to try and navigate where we're going to go on that, whether it's financial, or in the healthcare system, or whether it's in social dislocation, or Black Lives Matter, or the inequality uh, that, that, that is growing up in, in the world. I mean, all of this has happened, you know, within a year, and not just in one country, but absolutely globally. So, you know, it's this macro picture um, of what, I was once at a conference in New York, and it was described 
that we live in these VUCA times, a world that's volatile, uncertain, complex, and angry. Wow. You, you just look, look at it, what happened in, in the US, what's happening in Hong Kong. You see this level of anger growing. So over this last year, the sort of volatility of economic and financial markets, the uncertainty of when, how are we gonna get out of this, this stuff and the complexity of the issues that we're facing, um, you know, is, is, is just a day-to-day -day reality. And then, you know, I would say angry, yes, you can see that anger, but this is the age of anxiety. Um, Time Magazine said that this was the worst year ever. Wow. And uh, so one can either get oneself into a state of complete depression and gosh, you know, people listening to it, you know how, what it's, I don't have to tell you how tough it is out there. And you wouldn't have to tell me. We know the stress we're under, the uncertainty about whether, will my job be there? Will the furlough end? Will, 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 will we be able to keep the, the, the business together? Who am I going to sell to? And that's before you get to Brexit. Um, so, I mean, you know, but I think that the thing that I really feel strongly about is that we go into the 21st um, year of the 21st century. It's kind of a coming of age. And, and I'm looking forward to what I call a gracious hopefulness for the year ahead. You, you know, politicians always tell us, oh, we've got good hope for the, the vaccines coming, great hope. Um, and that's true and, and it's wonderful. Or people say, well, I'm hopeful for the future. Well, you're kind of, you know, crossing your fingers and hedging your bets. But I think hope-filledness, that sense of the Spirit of God filling us with the expectation that God is still in control, even if we aren't in our personal lives, uh, in our work lives, in our lives with our friends and our family, uh, our marriages, um, a tough year, but, but one that I think, you know, God has been teaching us some very, very real lessons. Yeah, fantastic. No, I, I would agree with all of that, I think. And I think that's, that's the hope we carry up, we hold on to, isn't it? The hope that God is in control and that Christ is all in all. Sure. Which is brilliant. And just, Ken, just taking that to a, another level, how have the last few months been for you personally? Because I know you've been involved in several, I mean, we've got the new book I want to discuss in a minute. I know you've got the Ken & Co podcast. I know you seem to have spent a lot of time encouraging leaders in this season and spending time with, with leaders. So tell us a little bit about some of the sort of, um, I don't want to call them initiatives, but some of the ministry things you've been involved with. Sure. Yeah, look, I mean, one of the things that I've done is, I used to meet with a bunch of young guys um, and uh, we used to meet at a curry place. And so we called it the curry club. Well, when, <laughs> when the whole lockdown came about, we couldn't meet. So my very efficient assistant managed to get um, Uber Eats to deliver curry to a bunch of guys. And we meet together virtually uh, and I give them a bit of a thought and then we, talk amongst each other about what's going on. And I think one of the things that's really important is I know we've also we zoomed out and all of that. Well, hey, guys, get real. There's nothing else we can do. So enter into it, uh, but diversify. Find, you know, the guys, you know, who you go to the gym with or who you'd normally have a beer with in a pub and, and, and get a Zoom call going with them. Try and diversify the different kinds so it's not just your the work and the, fu the functional stuff but also the friendly the family 
uh, of you know that you can that you can chat to. So I found that that's really been helpful um, to to uh, just to get different people, different perspectives. Uh, my wife and I, you know, have an e drink with with friends. <laughs> yeah, not yep. great, but hey, you know what? Um, there isn't anything else. But it does mean that you that you're consciously reminding someone else, I'm interested in you. I still would like to meet. One day we will. Um, so I've been I've been trying to practice those those things, and then you know privately, um, trying to you know it's been a good time to get to know my wife better. I thought I knew most about her, but you know if you have to go for your one hour walk every day in the <laughs> park, you kind of get. You, you find things that you didn't know, which has been good. And the praying, meditating, thinking about God has taken a much bigger way. And I think that's God's way. He's brought us back to the sort of basic instincts that we have, which is that we long for God. So that's the sort of, then, of course, there's the day job. And that's just tough. I mean, you know, that's just stressful. You know, it's, it's tough trying to get deals done, trying to get... You know, you, you know, you're not meeting people, you're not bumping into people, you're not, you know, having, you know, oh, that's a great idea, and you can follow up. You know, it's, it's, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, it's so formal and so productive. That's fine for a year, but you know what? We're social people. We, we, we long for the time when we can meet together. So yeah, it's been a tough part that actually. Yeah, absolutely. But also, no, you know, you've obviously, um, and I want to talk about this a little bit because it's, it's really impacted me personally the Joseph of Arimathea, the book, and, and, and also the podcast. I've been listening to your podcast and, you know, it's amazing to have you on mine, but some of the guests on your podcast have been phenomenal. And I know it's not about big, but it's about influence, isn't it? And, you know, you've, you've got an, an incredible network of people that you've been encouraging as well. So tell us a little bit about your heart and your approach to the podcast that you've been doing yourself. Well, I mean, <laughs> They're sort of born out of out of lockdown, you know, sort of, right. oh, my gosh, I'm going to go stir crazy. Whereas I, <laughs> the kids can hear me saying, I'm going to go stir fry crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I try to find ways in which, in, through different media, one can connect with people who are in the workplace, who've got to make day-to-day decisions, who have to recognise that, you know, we've got to navigate uh, through a time when we don't actually know how the story ends. We yeah. don't know how this pandemic is going to end. Um, you know, Matt Hancock tells us it's all going to be done by the autumn. We all hope so. Um, but we don't know. We don't know the effect on the economy. We don't know the effect on our social life. We don't know the effect. And that was what struck me on Joseph of, of Arimathea. Um, and well done you for getting it right. I was introduced by somebody uh, on a podcast and he, he said, you know, Ken's written this great book on Joseph of Arrhythmia. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> it's like kind of an arrhythmia. That's what the world is like at the moment. It's arrhythmic. It's just not, it's not beating in the right way. But the thing about Joe, who's now my new mate, and <laughs> he didn't know how the story ended. He didn't know there was going to be a resurrection. But what he did was he did the sort of practical you know, it's practical hands-on job. Let me have the riff in here. It was the business person and his mate, Nicodemus, who did the dirty work of taking the body down from the cross. And where were the, where were the, 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 the big guns? 
Where was Peter? You know, where was um, where was John? Um, you know, where was Thomas? Well, you can forgive him; he had doubts. They weren't there. It was, the, you know, like ever. It, you know, like the churches. You know, the business people, are the practical ones, who get the jobs done. So, yeah, I've liked that. And then it's been good to have these Ken and Co. just sort of mates talking about life. Yeah, no, they've been incredible, been incredible encouragements, I think. And just a couple of um, key points in the book that have really stood out for me. One is this the phrase that you use that um, Joseph wasn't part of the majority. You know, he, he, he was he was someone that was seen on the outside. But when it counted, he was there. And I think, you know, for, for the years that I've been in, 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 in sort of leadership in business and, and in ministry, I've just, you know, it's very easy for the business people to feel marginalized or they're only wanted because of their money or they're only wanted because of something they can bring to the, rather than who they are and the gifts and the call of God. And if you're someone that is listening to this podcast and you feel a little bit that way, I want to encourage you to go into Amazon and go into Ken Costa's website, all of the, um, all of the links will be posted afterwards and grab a copy of this book, grab, grab a copy of Know Your Why. In fact, read, read all of his books and absorb his content because Ken won't say this. So I'm going to say it on his behalf, but it's really speaks directly into the life of those people that are in business, that are in the marketplace, that have got a passion for God and want to bring something. God will use you. God used Joseph at the right time in the right place and his heart was positioned accurately. So I want to really encourage you to read this book. Um, it's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. No, so thank you, Ken, for that. It's been a real encouragement to me over the last over the last well, thank year. You for, so. Thank you for saying so. It was it was meant uh, meant to be helpful, and I'm pleased to hear that it is. It really was. And and just something else I know that you've been involved with. I do. I, I believe you co-founded or you're actually the chairman is the, of the new prayer and worship app called Glorify, which was developed by um, one of your sons, Henry. Yeah. Tell uh, us a little bit about that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, Henry, my son, is a great uh, entrepreneur, said, you know, look at uh, space, uh, calm, look at headspace, this meditation space. There's nothing really effective for Christians that are, you know, under work conditions. You know, you just, you just don't have enough time um, to, to spend on these, but you need time to meditate and to reflect. And so um, we've um, put together Glorify, uh, of, uh, which is... Um, bite-sized bible basically a short bible verse a description of what's read and a short meditation with some amazing functionality like you can't sleep um then you know there's some very good music written by joel houston uh on it there is there are great sort of helps to you know if you're anxious or or you know they're just the tough stuff of life but it's a great tool i use it i use it every morning um, and, uh, you know, I, I think my, my son, uh, Henry's done very well in, in getting it there. So I'm quite proud of it, but it's a, it's a great help actually, just to train oneself into, you know, a rhythm, bite-sized Bible, uh, and some meditation each day. Yeah. You fantastic. Know, a prayer journal that you can fill in and it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's very practical as well. That's what I love about it is, you know, it's bite-sized as you said, but also you can engage with it in a practical way as well. It's yeah. not just reading. It's like you said, there's the journal, there's the listening. It's, it's really, again, it's, it's fantastic. So if you haven't downloaded Glorify, download the Glorify app available at all good app stores. 
Um, just moving on, I feel like I'm Ken's uh, PR agent now, and I'm just a disclaimer. Yeah, that. Keep going. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting commission for this, by the way, whoever's listening. This is just genuinely great stuff. So, Ken, I want to just hone in a little bit on your life and leadership now, because um, you've had an incredible career, obviously, in, in finance as well as in Christian ministry, both in lo- locally and globally. Uh, this is some big questions and so you know we can work our way through it but how have you maintained your leadership in 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 these areas how have you how have you have you had to evolve your leadership style has how has how have you sort of maintained such an incredibly high level of leadership you know over a sustained period of time well that's it's it's a big question and you know um the 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 thing i say to, to people it's it's not difficult um, at all uh, it's impossible and indeed Jesus when asked the question of how does rich person get into heaven you know they the disciples throw their hands up and they go well you know you know what's that in it for a laugh I mean what's the, what's the hope for us and he said well of course you know um, it's impossible with you but with God everything is possible and I think it's that sense of understanding our dependence on God I try and say the our father every morning not because it's a ritual and it's a prayer, but it's a reminder of a dependence on God. Wow. Um, that each day I start dependent on him. Because the problem for all of us, we get cocky. You know, if you get good at your work, you're a good salesman, you know, you're a good computer programmer, a good banker, whatever it is, a good school teacher, you get cocky after a while because you could do it. And you kind of get on autopilot. And then something happens, COVID, and you sort of feel, oh my gosh, you know, the whole world implodes. And so I think that one needs to remind oneself of the dependence. That's the first. I think secondly, it's a a gift from God. I work quickly um, and pretty well go to bed at bedtime. Um, You know, I don't sort of fret all night over a decision that's made. I might have got it right, I might have got it wrong. By and large, mostly in business, I got most of them right, got some of them wrong. so, you know, that is, that is a help. And then also, I think, you know, it is that, that real understanding that, that God is with us practically each day, wherever we are, you know, not just, you know, on a church in some ecstatic experience at the end of a service for an hour, or if you're a Pentecostal for three hours on a Sunday. <laughs> well, wish we could do that these days. So it's that sort of combination of, of a realization of dependence, um, but also you know the you know you're gifted to be doing the things in your lane, and as I often say, you know, there's every preacher talks about you know stay in your lane and don't look over and don't be jealous and all of that. Well, it's all great stuff because we all do it. But but the point I want to make is when you're in your lane, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're swimming backstroke or crawl. Um, or butterfly, or whatever whatever the stroke is. So God gives us an enormous amount of freedom within the sort of cooling that he gives to us. And I found that sort of really encouraging, also, you know, frustrating at times. I mean, it's really frustrating at the moment. But then, a, you know, a wise friend of mine said, you know, Ken, the thing that you find frustrating, God sees us fermenting. He's, you know... Wow fermenting something that is it's stewing in in this sort of moment because you're used to pulling every lever you used to active get going plan something get the you know you know let's get a new new transaction on the 
And actually, you can't do half these things. But God is fermenting within us, letting us stew in his presence, learning more about it. I've learned more about myself, not all of it particularly attractive hmm. in this period of time. Wow. Yeah, something like that. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that's 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 brilliant. And you know, the reason I asked that question is that because I do a lot of work, and I know that you do as well, with younger leaders, with emerging leaders. And, you know, we all want vision, purpose, strategy. We all want the three-point plan. We want to accelerate programs. And I run programs called Accelerate Programs. But we're talking to someone like yourself that's that's navigated many years of, of leadership, you know, personal and professional and, and, and in ministry. I wanted to sort of get some of your insight from that. And I think that's absolutely spot on. One of my biggest sadnesses is seeing Christian leaders in the, in the marketplace and whatever environment, they, they go gung-ho for five years, they go gung-ho for 10 years and they burn out because the things that you've said aren't put in place. 100%, 100%. I tell you, the thing that I always say to these guys is, you know, in this wonderful world of broadband, you're living in a spectrum between broadband on one side and burnout on the other. You've right. got to work out where on this spectrum you're going to be, because broadband can give you everything you possibly want all day long and all night long, but burnout will come if you if you lean over to the other side. And somewhere on that spectrum, you've got to get the balance between broadband and burnout right Otherwise, burnout, it's, I mean, it's the great pastoral issue of our generation. Yeah. Uh, and after COVID, it's going to be even more. Wow. Yeah. People try and cope with just the uncertainties of a VUCA world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast today is to encourage leaders sure. in, their, in their lane, in their environment, just, you know, with, you know, with the words that you're bringing. And I think one of the other questions I've got for you along this, again, it's quite a big question, but kind of coming through this pandemic, and you've mentioned a couple of things already, but do you sense any longer term changes or shifts for Christian leaders, you know, both in a church context and even in a business context? Do you sense that God is is moving us as, a, as, as his people? Is he shifting us or sure. is this a blip? Sure. No, ain't no blip. <laughs> right. No, I think that this is, this is the, the formative change of, of, of our generation. Wow. We will look back to this time as being the time when, of course, you know, one has to be careful about this because many people have died, lost loved ones, have been seriously ill uh, through this. But there has been, God has allowed this to happen to test what's in our hearts, uh, as he did with King Hezekiah, uh, so that we, we, we begin to learn um, just what um, dependence on God actually could mean because basically what happened was the world was just running along and we were you know this is about a year ago it feels you know last century but it's a year ago we were kind of running along always going well and then all of a sudden god said stop wow and we had to sort of reflect re, re reset where we were uh, it's painful that 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 level of adjustment but i do think that that, we're, that as we embrace this time, you know, the, the wilderness that we're in, and it is a wilderness, you know, if you, if, you, if you just say, oh, well, you know, this is just a sort of a hiccup, soon we'll be in the promised land, you would have missed everything because it's in that wilderness that one learns and prepares for a promised land that is coming. God doesn't lead us into a wilderness 
other than to lead us through the wilderness into into another phase so yes i do think that there are that there are significant changes that are going to come about and the greatest sort of test of, of any leader at the moment people say well what what leadership quality is most needed now and the answer is flexibility you really have to be flexible you can't have a three year plan you can't have a one year plan i mean it's it's a joke uh, if you think you can you can read that right so one has to be able to be flexible to to read how how these changes are happening to adapt to it in digital form uh, in you know in trying to work through this but the test of of those that will come through are the flexible leaders that have managed to hold together groups of people with a sense of belonging and it, wow. it, that is the test of a church for example if you can keep the people together where there's a sense of belonging that's going to be an enormous sort of uh, step forward uh, in when we come through this this season fantastic i think you know just to to reflect that from a different perspective as well the world is going to be so desperate for some for some hope and for some belonging as they come through this you know, I think we're, we're talking at it from a Christian perspective, but from a non-Christian perspective, my work colleagues, my clients, the people I'm, I'm reaching out to, there's no hope. Now you turn on the BBC at the moment and you're, it's hopeless. hopeless. It's absolutely hopeless. So those people that are carrying hope, those, those hope bearers, those people that say, do you know what? I belong to someone and I belong to a family. That I, I honestly believe that our light is going to shine greater absolutely. than ever coming out of this. Absolutely. Hope is the super spreader. Not the virus. <laughs> Hope is the super spreader. I love that. It's infectious. Hopefulness. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Explain hopefulness a little bit more. So again, you see, being hope-filled is different from just saying, I hope something, or, you know, sort of, I hope it's going to, or I'm hopeful. Being hope-filled means that I take the day, I look for the small little encouragements. It's too... It, it, the macro picture is too bleak. Um, and every, you, know, you don't think for a moment that you can just run your own life and not worry about what's going on. Well, just turn a radio on. Just turn your, your news feed on, you, you know, your Twitter feed. And hey, you know, what kind of food is it that we're getting from our, uh, from our, our devices? So I think the hope-filledness is that there is a sense of, I don't know, you know, my hopes have all been dashed as to what it might look like, you know, hoping in things that might happen and don't. But my hope in the person that matters is still there. Yeah. So that, and being hopeful means that there is, the, means the, the, the promise of, of, of being able to <clears throat> see the Spirit of God lead us through this time um, into you know, to keep into the little signposts. They're not big, but they're little signposts. A kindness expressed to somebody or somebody expressing a kindness to you makes you a little bit more hopeful for the, uh, for, for this. And, and it's cumulative. You know, it's like uh, cumulative interest. It builds up uh, over, over, the, over the period of time. I love that. So I love that. Uh, that's the, you know, I think we need to look for cumulative compounding if you want it in uh, in financial terms you know compounding hope as, as as the little ones every year and you know it's a very wise investment advice don't have losses 
and allow your money to compound, then you'll be surprised what happens after 10 years. Absolutely. No, that's I, both, I, I wish it happened to me, you know. <laughs> that's both good investment advice and good spiritual advice as well, right there. No, that's brilliant. I love that. And just, Ken, I want to just drill into some of your life and your journey a little bit more. And again, you know, I know these are quite big open questions, but what are some of the leadership keys that God has given you in your life? Can you point to certain things or certain principles or practices that you've adhered to? Sure. I think that the, the revelation, and I think it is a revelation, was that my workstation is my worship station. Wow. And that's a revelation. And that's what's inspired God at work. That, you know, you, 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 there is no such thing as a division of the sacred and the secular in God's eyes. You know, we took a wrong term, you know, I don't know, a few centuries ago, where we created this clerical class. But actually, you know, a task well done is is a task recognized by God as being that which is fulfilling what he's called us to do. So if a lawyer draws up a document that accurately reflects the interests of the party, then he's, he's striking a blow uh, for, uh, for truth. I mean, a salesperson writing the sales document, well, you're not a lawyer. You're not meant to be writing legalese. You've got to write something that both sells the product but doesn't oversell it. That's right. And when you do that, then, you know, there is a sense that God is there. So that the revelation of God with us in our day-to-day -day, uh, activities is, uh, is something that has really motivated me. And then my life verse is, uh, is, of course, that the Spirit gives life. So if I've got to make a big decision, my first question is, if I do this, will it give life? Is it going to, you know, is it going to make me feel positive and 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 hopeful for the for the future of or is it going well well okay i'll do it right and then i kind of feel maybe that's not the right decision particularly when you're making difficult job decisions you know one has to go through that so there's you know the, the spirit gives life i really believe that the spirit of god enables us not only to enjoy life but actually gives us the very life of fulfilled life that, that we have in in, in god Fantastic. Brilliant. You mentioned um, you know, the, book, the book God at Work. I know it's so much more than a book in terms of the video series, the teachings, the events. You've authored three books now. And how have they come about? Has that been things that have been brewing inside of you that you've got down on paper finally? Or is are these moments of inspiration? Because there's, there's, there's different focuses and different depths to each book. You know, you, you, you know, so to speak, you're not just a one trick pony that's written one book and one message and that's it. You know, so how the, how's that come about? Well, I wish I had. If I, if I had the ability to concentrate on one and and all the sort of 40 days with God at work, you know, sort of, <laughs> um, here's the prayer journal for, I mean, I think, I think it would have been much more sensible. I mean, it's the nature of the person that I am. I have a wide interest. Um, and um, I, I wanted to, in God at work, I really wanted to come to terms with what, you know, what's the workplace in know your why. I just, there's the whole grouping of people who were lost with not understanding the nature of God's calling. And then Strange Kingdom was a reflection of the cross because Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the martyr killed by the Nazis, said, you know, a king who dies on a cross must be the king of a very strange kingdom. And the fact of the matter is, it is a strange kingdom. 
And if you try and judge the kingdom that we have by the metrics of the world, you're going to screw the whole thing up. It doesn't work. You know, but, but, but it is a strange kingdom, and yet it is the kingdom of, uh, of, of God where his purposes will be fulfilled. And in the case of Joe, well, you know, just as you mentioned early on, uh, when Luke's account of Joseph of Arimathea, I mean, there's only 16 verses on Joseph, um, and yet you see so much in this this man. You know, he is, like so many of us, feel like we're kind of the the footnote, the small print, the postscript of a great event, of, you know, the great events of crucifixion on Friday and resurrection on, on Sunday. You, you know, he wasn't there. He was mopping up. And and then, he, you know, when the came for him, this this man, Jesus, to be condemned by the by the Sanhedrin, in, he did not partake uh, in their decision. He was not part of the majority. And if there's ever a time when we're going to have to stand up in our boardrooms, in the school gate, in our families, in our schools and universities, defending free speech, we, we're going to have to stand up for what is true. Um, so that's what captivated me so much about Joe. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, you know, in terms of your leadership journey, you've obviously worked with, you know, many, many leaders, both in, in finance, in business, in ministry and, you know, sure. globally. What, what, what are some of the leaders you look up to or have looked up to or that you've learned from? I'm sure it could be quite a breadth, but are there sort of certain leaders or characteristics of leaders that have stood out to you over time? Do you know, it's interesting. Um, well, the one thing that and I've obviously been privileged to deal with people with vast amounts of money. Um, and, you know, I've sat with them on their jets um, and some of them have been amazingly generous and some of them have been astonishingly greedy. Right. And I've worked with 25-year-olds and with young students and I've seen them incredibly generous and unbelievably greedy in different forms. And I came to, I realised that, do you know, there are certain human characteristics um, like generosity and greed that are common to wherever you are, however rich you are. You know, you might say just, you know, that someone who's got, you know, billions in the bank. Well, why would you think of something, you know, and, and it is something that drives them on for something more. Um, so I think it's be, it was that sense of a discernment that the human heart is deceitful above all else. And it's, it's actually in the heart is in men and women in every culture, in every level of society, rich and poor. Um, and it's that sort of recognition that, uh, do you know what, we're not perfect. Um, so I thought that that would be, be one of the things that I would have, uh, th that I would have learned. And then, you know, there's the sort of the people who are my mentors at, in, the, in, the, in the finance world, a tough world, you know, who, you know, my first employer to, to, you know, relationships matter. First make a person your friend, then make, then become a banker. You, you know, that relational investment in other people has always struck me as being one of a key kind of leadership that I've been trying to, uh, to work at. And that's interesting. You learned that from the banking world, not necessarily the church world. Not okay. that you didn't learn it there, but you learned that from the banking world. Church world is very difficult to learn from, to apply back. And that's one of our problems um, is, you know, the church is not really equipped to help ordinary people, you know, 
in living with a purpose for each day in your workplace. Um, that is um, that is not the, the strong stronghold of the church. That's why it's so important for you and the work that you're doing now. It was really, really important for wonderful leaders and reaching to them and, you know, sort of educating, coaching, training, and for the people listening to this, to, to you know, we, we are the ones that have to help help each other and and be able to make sense of this the stressed world that we live in yeah fantastic no, i appreciate that thank you ken and far, i mean i could talk to you all night but we, we're gonna have to come to land unfortunately but so final question for, for this evening looking back at your sort of life and leadership journey what's one piece of advice you would give your younger self if you sat yourself down a few years ago shall we say what would you say to yourself Wow. I suppose I would say, be careful what you think success looks like. Right. Because it's quite tough, you know, when you're young, you're married, you've got a mortgage, you, 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 you're working hard, you're you know, you want to get the money, you want to pay it off, you want to get the kids educated, you want to get holiday. It's in you marginalize the things that are really important, and you you spend more time on the things that don't matter to your life, and less time on the things that really matter: relationships, family, uh, friendships. Uh, and I think that. Looking back, I, I would have a, I would hope to re-educate myself to redefining what success really looks like. And for Jesus, you know, to, to have said, you know, seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. Now, of course, we, we say that, but you've got to live it each day. And I think if I would be more critical of myself, it would be that which I would like to have learned a bit more but spent a bit more time praying and reading and a bit more time learning about what the kingdom of god really looks like rather than what the successful person looks like in the world wow um i think that's an amazing way to end this episode um, I could talk to, as I said, all, all, all day about some of the life and, 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 and the journey you've been on. But Ken, that's been absolutely fantastic. And um, just as a kind of a, a quick way of finishing off, if you guys want to find out more and listen to Ken more, please go to kencosta.com and then you'll be able to um, branch off into his social channels, onto some of his teachings and some of his, um, obviously the books that we've mentioned. I want to really encourage you not only just to listen to this for yourself, but to listen to this episode and, and share it, share it with friends, share it with colleagues, because even what we've heard there in the last question, that's not, um, that's not something you learn from a book. That's something you have to, you learn from years of wisdom and years of life, but you have to seek it out for yourself. You have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So let God do the work in your life that he wants to do. But just to say thank you so much, Ken. It's been a real privilege to talk you with you. Everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, God bless. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.